Matthew chapter 5. Or actually, you know what? We're going to start at Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7. Hopefully, I'll get through this whole message I have prepared tonight. The Sermon on the Mount uh, is just packed full of so much wisdom, so much, so many good things that are in here. Of course, it's a message that Jesus Christ preached. And you're not going to find a better preacher. Yeah, but um, in each one of these things that we're going to mention, and I, I, prob- I probably could preach a whole message on each one, but I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to take three years to get through this series. But um, uh, I want to read the last part of Jesus' sermon on the mount. You, you've probably heard the parable or heard of the story of the wise man and the foolish man. Uh, you might have heard the song if you were a kid in Sunday school. There was that song, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. I probably should have had Abby sing that one for us tonight. That would have been fitting with the message. But um, I want to read this passage to you. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at His doctrine. For He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this message. Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for the truths that are in it that can help us to stand, Lord, during the storms and the floods that are going to come our way. I pray this will be a help. God, I pray You'll bless this message. Lord, I pray You'll bless this entire series of messages. In Your name we pray. Amen. Jesus, He goes and He does a comparison here. He talks about a wise man which built his house on a rock. And he said, when in this, 
house that the storms came and the winds blew and they beat on that house. But it didn't fall. It had a good foundation. It stood during that difficult storm. But then it says, there was a foolish man. He built his house on the sand. The sand's not a good foundation. And because of that, whenever those same storms came, when the same thing happened to the foolish man's house that happened to the wise man's house, the foolish man's house, it fell. And the Bible says, great was the fall of it. And the truth is, in this day and age that we live in and in life, we're all going to have storms that we're going to go through. We're all going to have floods. They come to everybody. Everybody, the righteous and the wicked, they all have battles that they face. They have deaths in their family. They have sicknesses. All the bad things that happen to other people, they happen to us too. But the truth is, if we are, if we have the right foundation, it doesn't have to destroy us. It doesn't have to defeat us. We can stand, and we're going to probably repeat that a lot during this series of messages. But for these, this to work, you have to do these things. He said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Okay, it's a lot of people say, My, my life is built on Jesus Christ. He's, he's number one. Uh, I built my house upon that rock. But they're not doing the things that Jesus said to do. Therefore, their house is not built on the rock. And he said, uh, "He said, whoso heareth these sayings, what sayings? The sermon he just preached, the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to look, go back, and we're going to look at these things that Jesus talked about. That said that if we do them, we will be like that wise man that built his house on a rock. Now, I don't know about you, but I want that. I want to have a house that is built on a rock." And these uh, most messages about the house or the house and the rock, they usually uh, go all they kind of go all over the place, and they talk about a lot of the family things, and we'll deal with some of those and husband and wife things, and we'll talk about some of those things. But the truth is, to have a good house, Jesus told us what to do, and it's all in the sermon. And we're going to talk about those things, and I hope that they'll be a help to you and a blessing. And uh, they're so important. But so we're going to go to the beginning of that sermon. That's in Matthew chapter five, in verse one. Uh, we have what we call here. You've probably heard of them. It's called the Beatitudes, is what everybody calls them. And I don't really know where they, who came up with that name or how that got started. But if you ever hear people talk about the Beatitudes, they're talking about Matthew chapter five. Verse one through twelve. If you were to go over to Israel today, they have a, mount, a small mountain out there, and it's called the Mount of the Beatitudes. It's the mountain where Jesus preached this sermon. I got to go there when I was uh, when I went to Israel back in two thousand, and it was, of course, a very exciting time. But let's look at uh, this story in the beginning of this message. It says in verse one, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set. His disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, "So there's a multitude of people around." Okay, now I'm just—I want to mention this because it's just interesting. When Jesus got done preaching this message, you know how many people were left? There was not many. Everybody kind of left, and it was just the disciples left. A lot of times Jesus would preach and it would run everybody off. <laughs> it's just it happens sometimes. And it happened with him. But he said, so he starts out here, and this is where the Beatitudes begin. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. 
Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So right there, this is the passage we want to cover tonight. And if you look on that second page that you have, this is just something extra that if you want, you can just... So we're not grading these papers. But if this is something, if you want this to help, if you want it, if you want to use this, uh, I encourage you to do it. But on the back here we have where you can write down what you can do in your life to live each one of these Beatitudes. And uh, hopefully by the end of this message, you'll know, uh, you'll maybe have some ideas on what you can do. But first of all, let's go through these Beatitudes one by one and look at them because there's some things I, I want you to see. But first of all, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit, what does that mean? The poor in spirit. The poor in spirit, that's those who are humble, lowly in mind, they're uh, conscious of ignorance and unworthiness. You know one of the reasons that people aren't happy today is because of this I deserve mentality, I call it. Listen, listen to the radio sometime on advertisements and just listen to how many commercials they use the term you know, go buy this thing that you deserve. Okay, they uh, advertisers always push it down your throats that you deserve all these things, and people see it. You know, people used to look at a lot of the luxuries and a lot of like having two cars. Boy, that used to be a big deal. If you had two cars, you were living in luxury. You were really doing good. Now, if you don't have two cars, I mean, you're a victim. I mean, you poor individual only has one car. And people have caught on to that. And they feel like they are a victim. You hear them talk all the time about the poverty in this country. There are more people in poverty today than ever before in this country. But yet, look at who these people are that are in poverty. They have multiple cars. They've got satellites. They've got cell phones. They have all these things that only rich people used to have. But we call it poverty. And people have this attitude, I deserve all these things and I'm supposed to have it. And the truth is, it's a pride problem. And all the, and all these Beatitudes, when it says blessed, the word blessed, it really it means, it means to be happy. It means to be happy. And that's what we want to talk about tonight is building a happy home. If you are going to have a house that's on a rock, it needs to be a happy home. You need to do whatever you can to make your house a happy place. And I'm here to tell you, things are not going to make you happy. All right, while they can be fun and I enjoy things probably as much as anybody, they are not going to make you happy. That cell phone that you just your teenager tells you, Dad, I've just got to have this in order to survive is not going to bring them happiness. That extra car or that, that fancy car or maybe that bigger house that you think will bring you happiness, those are not the things that bring happiness to homes. Those are not the things that make people feel blessed. That's not it. And this 
And we have, we are so bombarded with advertisements today. You get them in the mail. You see it on television. You see the billboards. And it's all these things just telling you you have to have these things to be happy. You see all these people that are just living happiness and smiling on the commercials. Why? Because they're drinking Coke. And it's like, it, these things don't bring happiness. But people have been convinced that they do. And the poor in spirit, that's somebody who they're humble. They understand that I don't have to have what everybody else in the world has. I don't have to have the nicest cars. I don't have to have the nicest house. I don't have to have all these things. And when they have that attitude, they actually appreciate what they do have. They enjoy what they do have. But so many people today, they've got that other mentality and they don't enjoy the things they have. And they don't have happy homes. Blessed are they that mourn. We're going to try to go through these quick. For they should be comforted. How is how does mourning make you happy? This doesn't seem to make sense. This seems almost like an oxymoron. But the, uh, most commentators will agree that this passage here is talking about mourning over sin. When you're sorry for your sins, that's where you find forgiveness. Those who are not sorry, they stay in bondage. That's where... The reason so many people are unhappy today is they're trying to find a way to stay in sin. Instead of getting it right, they want to continue to live in it. And I'm sorry, but you're not going to find happiness staying involved in sin. You've got to forsake it. You've got to confess it, the Bible says to him. You've got to forsake it. And many people today, they don't mourn over sin. They, they thrive in it. They try to find more ways to sin. They try to find, I mean, they do everything they can to sin. They try to justify it. We have people today who are changing their, changing Bibles to try to make it more user friendly. So it'll make people feel better. But that's not going to work. Sin is going to bring you down. Sin is going to make you unhappy. Sin is going to cause you misery. And we need to mourn over sin. We need to hate it. And the third one, blessed are the meek. For they, uh, they shall inherit the earth. The meek inherit the earth. I thought it was the strong and the bold. Hitler thought that. He tried to inherit the earth. It didn't work. But the truth is, meekness is patience in the reception of injuries. It's neither meanness nor surrender of our rights. A lot of people think that meekness means you're weak. That's not what it means at all. Did you know a lot of the people who I feel have the characteristic of meekness a lot of times are the real big people. I don't know if you've ever known somebody that's just big and strong and they could just snap your neck just like that. A lot of times those are really nice people. You see that. But have you ever noticed a lot of the little people that are really, you know, they're really small? A lot of times they're the mean ones. A lot of times they're the ones that like to talk big and act all tough. You know why they do that? Because they feel like they need to because they're smaller. Big people, they don't need to do that. Everybody's already scared of them because they're so big. But the little people, they, and so, uh, the, the big guy, he's meek. While he could, you know, probably snap your neck if he wanted to, he doesn't do it. Or the little guy, while he couldn't hurt a fly, he acts all big and tough because, uh, you know, he, they, they just, they do that a lot of times. But a meek person, really that's strength under control. I mean, I, I've been in those situations before where, I mean, I wanted to hurt somebody. And I probably could, but I didn't. 
And that, that's what meekness is. Moses, the Bible says that he was the meekest man that ever lived. Moses. And uh, Moses was definitely a very manly person. And he was somebody who used to have a temper. We read a story about him losing his temper and killing one of the Egyptians one time. And it got him in trouble. I think Moses learned his lesson after that. But meekness is very important. Christ, Christ insisted on it. He said, uh, when that, like a lot of times people think that just means you've got to roll over and take things. It doesn't mean that. Did you know even Jesus, he stood up, there was one time in the Bible you can read it where he stands up for himself. When they, when they went and they were accusing him, and the Bible says they blindfolded him, and they were beating him, and they're accusing him of all these things. And Jesus said, if I have done evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? In other words, he said, he said, if I've done wrong, continue to beat me. I deserve it. But if I've done well, why smite me? Right? He's kind of standing up for himself there. And he had a right to do it, but yet he was very meek about it. And we've got, we've got to learn that. People who are meek, are ha- they're happier people. Because they're not, they don't constantly have to be out trying to prove something. They're not constantly picking fights and getting in battles. They're meek. They keep it under control. And those people are happier people. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I have a, mess, a whole message on just this verse. But we see throughout the Bible that we will receive the desires of our heart. You know, most people today, pretty much everybody today, they, they get the desires of their heart. They say, well, then why are there so many unhappy people? Because some people are desiring wicked things and sin, sin and wickedness is always going to bring you unhappiness. But that's what they're pursuing. That's what they're going after and that's what they get. But people who hunger and thirst after righteousness, when that's the desire, the Bible says they shall be filled. That's the only area we're going to find real fulfillment is in godliness and in being like Christ and in doing right. But a lot of people, most people today, they're not hungering after that. They're not thirsting after that. They don't want to do what the Bible says to do. They want to do what they want to do. Well, you know what? Go ahead, do what you want to do. But you seek if, the, if that's the desire of your heart, it's not going to bring you happiness. There's nowhere in the Bible that promises happiness when you get the evil desires of your heart. But if you do hunger and thirst after righteousness, not only will you get it. But it will bring fulfillment to you. They shall be filled. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's those who are so affected by the sufferings of others that it will uh, even cause them to suffer themselves. They show mercy. They try to do things that help people. Did you know some of the happiest people in the world are merciful people? Those who uh, are giving people who do things to help other people. They're happy people. You know why they have mercy? You know what? And I'm telling you, this verse is so true. It says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But think about it. A lot of times, a lot of these things in the Beatitudes, they don't seem to make sense. But if you really think about them, they do. If a person is thinking about other people's problems, you know what, it's, you know what that does for me? Is it causes me to forget about my own. It also causes me to realize that my problems aren't that big. You know, we could all have a pity party if we wanted to. We could all talk about stuff in here tonight that would, you know, make everybody probably feel sorry for us. I get up every morning and I could hardly breathe because my nose is all stuffed up and I gotta go blow my nose for about 30 minutes, it seems like. And boy, I could have a pity party and I could complain. But you know what? 
I'm thinking right now about Tanya right now who has cancer. And what she's going through right now is a zillion times worse than my stuffed up nose. But you know what? Some people are so focused on themselves that stuffed up nose gets them down. It gets them discouraged. They're like, Lord, why have You done this to me? Why am I going through this? But when you're thinking about other people and you're having mercy on them, you realize, boy, that's not a big deal. That's why I enjoy going to nursing homes. We're going to be able to start going to some out here in the near future. I'm looking forward to that. Tell you, you get around people in the nursing home, you're going to quit feeling sorry for yourself real quick. You get around people who are going through some hard times. You're going to see that God's been good to you. And when you show mercy to other people, the Bible says you're going to obtain mercy. Jesus said, be merciful even as your Father also is merciful. Merciful people are happy people. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Those who are not merely, those who are not just pure on the outside, but those on the inside, those who they're pure in heart. Bible says they shall see God. You know why so many people they don't understand God? It's because they try to look at God through their wicked eyes and their wicked mindset. They try to make, they'll look at God, why does a loving God do this? You know what they're really saying? Is if I was God, I wouldn't do that. Well, you know what? You've got to realize you're looking at God through the eyes of a sinner. Through wicked eyes. Because that's what we all are. But when we, try, when we look at God through His Word, and when we try to keep that pure heart, we'll, be able, we'll see it. You'll understand it. But we've got to keep our hearts pure. We've got to keep the junk out of our life. It's going to just make things, uh, it's going to, it's going to just kind of fog things up. It's going to make it harder to see. And that's why we've got to keep our hearts pure. That's why we've got to keep our minds pure. It's going to, it'll help you see things more clearly. And that's going to make you happier. That's the reason so many people are in turmoil today. Because they, they just, they can't see it. They just don't get it. I don't get why God's doing this. I don't see this. Well, you know what? You need to get your heart purified. And you'll, you'll see it. It'll come. God will show you. But you've got to keep your life clean. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Those who strive to prevent contention and strife and war. You know, You've all seen this before. I talk a lot about my days at Walmart, big factory, and I, I think I can think of a group right now. There was this one group of guys that they weren't peacemakers. They loved stirring up trouble. They loved it. They thrived on it. You probably you probably worked with people like that before. Let me tell you something about these guys. They were also miserable. This one guy, his name was Brian. I won't say his last name. No matter, no matter what you ever talked about, he had something negative to say about it. No matter what good thing. I remember, uh, at, you know, Walmart, you know, they like, they, they do their things for charities and stuff. And yeah, they probably do a lot of it just to get in the newspaper and to look good like they're this great company. But you know what? They're still helping some people out. So I, but I remember they, they would go and they would read the numbers. You know, Walmart donated this much money to Children's Miracle Network. And then you hear Brian. Yeah, they got a big tax write off for it. So what? They still did it. They get a tax break. Who cares? And they just always had something negative. Just a miserable, miserable cuss. I mean, just always, always stirring up trouble. And he was also a very miserable, miserable person. But the Bible says, "Blessed are the peacemakers, those who don't 
start it. Those who stop it. Those who make it quit. That's what we're supposed to be. God says those are the happy people. You know what? You think these guys, the only time you would ever see this guy smile, the only time is if you were telling about something really bad that happened. Somebody, hey, did you hear so and so got fired? Oh, he'd smile then. But guess what? It didn't make him happy. Temporarily got a little bit of a thrill. But those people aren't happy. And and said so you've known you, you can probably think of people like that right now that you've known and you know that this is true. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. What? Happy are those who are persecuted? We don't like persecution. Almost all of these, they don't seem like they make sense. But the Bible says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For when we're persecuted, all right, that's that's not fun when it happens, okay? If you've ever been there, it's it's not fun when it happens. But here's the thing. I don't know that this passage means that at that moment you're gonna be happy. I don't think I've ever been persecuted and while it was happening, I'm just like, man, this is awesome. Okay, I don't think I don't think that's ever happened. Okay, but at the same time, later on when you kind of see the end of things, you're always glad you did the right thing. While you might have been getting some grief at the time, you're always better off. Maybe maybe there's a group of friends at school and they're trying to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. And while uh, and you say no, you take a stand, you say no, and while they persecute you or while they make fun of you, it's not fun. While they're calling you names, it's not fun. But after they go and they do it and they all get in trouble and you weren't there, guess who's the happy one? The one who was persecuted. The one who did the right thing. They're going to be the happy one. And that's it's very important. We could talk about that one for a long time. The Bible says, blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. A lot of people today are persecuted, but it's not for righteousness' sake. It's because they've been persecuting themselves and they're getting some of it back. Okay, There's no blessing on that. You're not going to be happy for that. But if you do the right thing, you're persecuted for it, you'll end up being happy as a result of it because God is going, God's going to bless you. Uh, notice how it says, for righteousness' sake. Because they're righteous. Or they're... Uh, it's it's so important. You got it. It has to be because you're doing the right thing. Um, verse. What's the next one? Blessed which are persecuted. And then it says, "Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake." This one here, it's like it's kind of almost repeating the last one, but it goes a little farther. Not just when we're persecuted, but when we're I mean when we're reviled and when they're making up stories. About us, this is blessed. We're, we're going to be happy when that happens. What? This is nuts. But the Bible says, "Rejoice and be exceeding glad." What? What? That's not fun. But the Bible says, "Great is your reward in heaven, on earth." Okay, if you're persecuted because you do the right thing, I wish I could tell you it just feels great, it's wonderful. But here's what you have to do. This is where faith comes in. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. The Bible says, Great is your reward in heaven. While on earth, it's a pain in the neck. While on earth, it's going to make you feel bad, and while it's going to get, it's it's going to maybe even get you down. We need to have faith and realize that God is going to reward that. God is going to reward you. The Bible says, Great is your reward in heaven. Now, I don't know, Jesus, He's not an exaggerator. 
Okay, if he says your reward's going to be great, it's going to be great. Now, I don't know what it is exactly. I wish I could tell you. But the Bible says your reward is great. And every time you're persecuted, you need to be reminded of that. In another account, it says leap for joy. I can't think of a time I ever leaped for joy when I was persecuted. But I believe that if I was as spiritual as I should be, and I trusted the Bible like I should, I would. I believe right now that if we could see, when you're being persecuted, if you could somehow look into the future and see how God is going to reward you, I think you would leap for joy. I think you would rejoice. And you know what? Let's just go ahead and do it because God told us to. Because we don't know. And then that's really going to please Him because that's going to show great faith. God said He's going to reward us. So let's just go ahead and believe Him. He said, he said we're going to, our reward is great. And it's going to happen. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's going to come eventually. But the reward, it makes it worth it. I joke around all the time. And I tell people, I, I would gladly dig ditches for a living. I would love that job if it paid enough. If they said $100 an hour for digging a ditch, I'd be all over it. Listen, I don't like digging. That's hard work. That wouldn't be fun. But if I was getting paid $100 an hour, I think I could enjoy it a little bit. You know why? Because the reward's good enough. When I worked at Walmart, Walmart, there are people there. Walmart's almost a religion. If you ever worked there, you you know they've got their own cheers and things. It is. It's almost a religion. And some of the people, boy, especially management, they get caught up in it big time. And I remember one time I was talking to a manager and I made a statement and I think it kind of offended them a little bit. I said, I said, yeah, I'm only working here for the money. And they just looked at me like, what? Why, you're only here for the money? I said, yeah, I said, I'm only here for the money. I said, if they ever quit paying me, I'm done. <laughs> and then, and then this is funny. A lot of people, well, a lot of people, when I would say that, they would laugh because they would get it. Because in a sense, that's why we all work our jobs because we're getting a paycheck. But at the same time, there was a few of them. I think they'd work for free. They were they were that caught up into the Walmart religion. But the thing is that uh, if we knew what God was going to give us for some of the things that we go through, we would be thrilled to death. We would be excited. We would leap for joy. So we might as well just go ahead and do it. But it says, "So persecuted they the prophets which were before you." Okay, we're not the only ones that got persecuted. Jesus got persecuted. The prophets, they got persecuted. The disciples, they were all martyred. Bad things, ha- bad things do happen sometimes. The people who were doing the right thing, but we're going, God is gonna take care of us. He's gonna pay us back. And it's going to be well worth it. While you might feel sorry for me if you saw me out doing a job and I'm like, you know, I, I, I gotta take care of my family and I, I gotta get an extra job digging ditches. And while you'd probably feel sorry for me seeing me dig ditches, if you knew I was getting paid $100 an hour, you wouldn't feel sorry for me anymore. I think about football players. People will watch them out there, you know, playing football in the freezing cold, and people think, oh, those poor guys, they gotta play in this zero degree weather. Let me tell you, I bet if you looked at their paycheck that they get, you'd probably quit feeling sorry for them real fast. And I tell you, I believe if we knew what God was gonna do for us, we would quit feeling sorry for ourselves real fast. In fact, we would be thrilled to death. So hopefully, hopefully that helps. So, just now we've gone through the Beatitudes. So now, how do we build that happy home? How do we how do we have that? How do we get that? Well, just real quickly, we're going to go through some of these things. I took a long time on the Beatitudes. 
But you need to set the example. Be the kind of person people want to follow. Set the example. Listen, you're not going to see it. That, that guy Brian I worked with, he, did, he didn't set the example. If I would have followed him like some of those other guys, I'd have been just as miserable as they were. You've got to set an example. You want your wife to be happy. You want your kids to be happy, Dad. You've got to set the example. You've got to do it. Or even uh, wives, you set the example. Let somebody see it. Follow these things. And people, uh, they're going to follow people who are happy. They follow people who are confident. Think about it. Who are the most confident people in the world right now? I think singers. Singers are confident, boy. They'll get up there. I mean, you think about some of these singers. I mean, they just, they're, I mean, Michael Jackson, for example. The guy was a weirdo. Man, the guy was scary looking. I mean, the guy, he didn't, he was weird. He wore really weird clothes. And that guy would get up and sing really weird songs and do really weird things singing those songs. But you know what? He did it with confidence and people loved him. If I saw that guy in the, out in a dark alley, boy, I'd take off running. But you know what? Women went nuts over that guy. Right now, everybody's... I, I keep hearing about this... I, for a long time, I had, didn't even know who she was, but I was always hearing about this Lady Gaga. I thought, what a weird name, Lady Gaga. And I was always hearing about her. And then finally one time I saw a picture of her. I'm like, whoa! What is that? But you know what? She's got a huge following. People follow them like crazy. All these singers, they go and they all they do is sing, but people follow them. They go nuts over them. These people, they all end up, you know, seems like dying of drug overdoses all the time. But yet people love them. They follow them. I think a lot of it's because they're confident. Politicians. People go nuts over politicians. I don't know why. They're all liars. They're all full of themselves. But yet, people follow them like crazy. You know why? These guys are confident. I mean, you watch them debates, boy. I mean, they're confident, boy. They look sharp. They they speak eloquently. I mean, they do everything perfect. I mean, how many saw the big Rick Perry gaffe? Anybody see that? It was all over the news. Everybody's talking about Rick Perry during one of the debates. He couldn't remember a word. He couldn't remember something. I don't remember what it was. And he had this long pause for like 45 or 50 seconds. And people are thinking it's destroyed his chances of becoming president. Because I do that all the time. But you know what? Politicians, they rarely do it. Boy, these people are slick. They know how to talk. And people follow them. They're confident. And tell you, we, if, we ought to be confident that if we're following the Bible, we're doing the right thing. And I tell you, a lot of times people are so unsure of it, they're doubting God, and it's a wonder that nobody wants to follow us. It's a wonder that nobody wants to listen to us. We ought to be confident. But as far as singing, we ought to have something to sing about. People listen to singing. Ephesians 5.19 says, Sing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. We have something to sing about. We, I've got a lot more to sing about than Michael Jackson ever did. I've got a lot more to sing about than Lady Gaga has or any of these people. And you know what? It's okay to sing. It's okay to sing at work and sing, uh, uh, sing in your house. I'm telling you, there's a lot of joy that comes with singing. We sing with our kids all the time. We listen to music in the van and we all sing. It will, it makes a happier home. Have a message to share abroad. Have a message to share abroad. We're not going to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and 8. It's a good passage. You could read about that. We ought to, we have a message. 
That's why people follow these politicians. They've got a message of hope. We're going to change this country. We're going to, you know, we're going to make this world a paradise. And these guys are lying, but people listen to them. Listen, we have something that's true. We have a message that can keep people out of hell, that can change their lives. We ought to be confident. We ought to be sharing it. People are happy to do that. But people follow those who are committed. Dad preached about it last week. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. People follow those who are committed. We've got to be committed to what we're doing. As a father, we can't. We've got to be committed that, as for, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just do your best. Do the best you can. Dad, you're not going to be a perfect dad. Mom, you're not going to be a perfect mom. You're not going to be a perfect husband. You're not going to be a perfect wife. Kids, you're not going to be perfect kids. But when you do your best, when you really make an effort at it to do your best, it'll you'll have a happy home. Try to find ways to do better. When you mess up, make an attempt to do better. Think, okay, I made a mistake. Let's learn from this. Let's move on. Let's do better. People, they follow those who are consistent. You've got to be consistent. You know why a lot of kids, they'll grow up in good churches and then they end up leaving as soon as they're old enough? Because there was no consistency in their home. Mom and dad, they acted like one thing at church, but they went home and they did something completely different. And the kids, they're just, they don't, or their parents are constantly changing. Like, alright, we're going to be, a, we're going to be Baptists this week and then they're Catholics the next week and then they're Presbyterians the next week and then they're Mormons and they're all over the place. And the kids, they grow up thinking, what in the world? And nobody knows what's going on and the, oh, wife doesn't know. She, she's having trouble following her husband because it's like, she doesn't know what he's going to have her do next. He may go Amish next and make me dress like Amish people and they, they don't know. And I'm telling you, if you're, if you're not consistent, it's going to create problems. Don't be wishy-washy is the term that we use. James 1.8, if you get a chance to read that, it doesn't say wishy-washy in that passage, but I'm pretty sure if the Bible would have been interpreted or translated correctly like a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about say, I think I might have said wishy-washy. But also, don't be flip-floppy. Alright? Flip floppy, what's that? How many remember John Kerry? Anybody remember John Kerry? He ran against President Bush in his second term. You know what killed that guy? Flip flopping. Everybody used that word. He was a flip flopper. He was always changing his mind. He was always he you know said one thing and then later he would change his mind and he was he just he got he got himself in trouble with it. They kept, they called him a flip flopper. And because of that I think it ended up costing him the election. Don't be flip-floppy. Ephesians 4.14, it talks about that a little bit. And it doesn't say flip-floppy in there, but at the same time, it makes sense. We can't be that way. Don't be changing your mind all the time. Make sure you find out what God wants you to do. Find out what the Bible says. And then follow it. But listen, we take the spirit that is in our home with us everywhere we go. Listen, you want to, you want to have a happy home? If you have a happy home, okay, if you have the right kind of spirit in your home, you're going to take it with you everywhere you go. Now listen, a lot of these guys that I, that group that I worked with, like that, that club of misery, alright, 
I never went to these guys' homes, but I I can guarantee you it was probably a very miserable, miserable place. In fact, one of the guys I knew I before I even heard the story, I knew he had a miserable home. And I remember hearing some stories that he told about his wife. Him and his wife had a horrible relationship. They would they would get in these arguments and they would they'd fight over who had to change the kid's diaper and he wouldn't do it. And they would fight and sometimes that kid would be in a dirty diaper for hours and hours. He told and he tell guys about this. He'd been married four times. The wife he was married to was his first and fourth wife. And he always talked about he doesn't know why he married her again. He he's like I don't know why I didn't learn from the first time I married her. Just a miserable home. And he brought it to work with him all the time. And if we have a bad spirit in our home, we're going to take that with us where we go. And if we have a bad one, it's going to be really hard to be a witness. It's going to be really hard to be the right kind of example. And listen, you got a you have a miserable home. When those storms come, when the difficulties come, and they're going to come, your home's not going to stand. It's not going to stand. There's going to, things are going to happen. You're going to go through things. There's going to be sicknesses. There's going to be difficulties. And we've got to do what we can to keep our homes a happy place. Don't bring things in your home that's going to make you miserable. And right here, Jesus said, He gave ten things. He said, blessed are they. Blessed, happy. Happy are they. That And He names off all these things. I encourage you, go home sometime this week. Go through this passage. And I want you to think about it. Write down. Write down ten things. One thing for each. What can I do? Alright, what can I do to help me to have, be poor in spirit? To be humble? Write it down. What can I do? Go through each thing. Write down names of people that you're following. You know we're all following somebody. We are. We're all. That's why we're all creatures of habit. We all copy each other. Our daughter Allie, she's already copying things. And we all do that. But we've all got so many different things we're copying. We've got all these different influences. And it, and it literally is what makes us who we are. The way we talk. If I would have grown up down south, I would talk a lot different than I talk right now. I would probably talk slower. I was born in the north, and so I talk really fast. I mean, it's just, that's what I grew up around. And so you ought to look at the people who are following and then ask, are these happy people? If they are, that's probably one of the reasons you're following them. If, if they're miserable people, if they're unhappy people, you might want to quit following them. That's why teenagers, boy, they need to quit following these singers. They're not happy people. They're not. And I challenge you. Just a challenge in there. And I know it's a big passage, but boy, Matthew five one through twelve is a great passage to memorize. Because you know what, you need to think about these things. That way, you can meditate on it. Think about it. What can I do? Look at those, and then remind yourself of the promises that come with it. There's some great promises that come with these things. I think everybody in the world wants to be happy. But unfortunately, most people are going about it all the wrong way. 
And Jesus knew that. And that's why He came to earth. So that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And He came here to this earth and He showed us what we were doing wrong and He told us how to do it right. But unfortunately, it goes against our sinful flesh. And most people today are walking according to the lust of the flesh instead of walking after the Spirit. If you will, And if you will walk after the Spirit like He said to do, you can be happy and you can have these things. But you're going to have to trust Him. It's going to take some faith. When you're being persecuted, it's going to seem like something's going wrong. But I'm here to tell you, it'll make you happy. So let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.